Hey, y'all. It's Lens. It's spooky season. And I can see a full moon. Well, I guess it's like one night from full. But I there's a full moon staring me right in the eye through my laundry room window as I start recording tonight. So um, this is setting like the perfect background for what I intend to do on the podcast tonight. It is October 30th, so you'll probably be hearing this on October 31st or later, Halloween. And uh, I'm going to tell you a spooky story from my past. But before I do that, I want to say... Wow, this year has uh, simultaneously gone by very quickly and dragged by with never-ending sloth. (laughs) So, of course, a lot of time has passed since my last recordings, but aptly so because those last two podcasts were about some things having to do with homeschooling and the school year getting started. And so I have been neck deep in that for the last several weeks. We are in, uh, this week we're in week seven of our yearly number of weeks and, um, it's going really well. We actually did a little bit of a catch up week this week because last week we did trying to think, I was trying to remember earlier today what it was that happened at the end of the week, but normally I plan to do school four days a week. And then we have one kind of flex day where we can work it in anywhere during the week, but maybe we go somewhere, we do something. Maybe it was the apple orchard. Maybe we went to the apple orchard. That sounds right. Um, on Thursday. And so that kind of got us off our game. And so we didn't finish our work for the week. We've been really diligent every other week, but we didn't finish our work for the week, but that was okay because I had planned for this week to be a catch-up week because we had plans to go camping up in the um, kind of like area of the state where you're supposed to get some fall colors. And so uh, we were going to be doing that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and coming home on Thursday. So I plan to use this week as a catch-up week. So it'll all work out in the end. Um, But I usually only try and get 12 weeks of school in before the holidays. And we're looking like we're pretty much on track to do that. And then we take, um, a couple weeks off around Christmas. So yeah, it's been a good school year so far. Um, I've been, um, trying to remind myself (laughs) the things that I said. (laughs) So that's been good. But, uh, we had a couple, had an exciting or, well, I don't know if exciting is the right word for it, but in the last couple, here comes the train. In the last couple of days, uh, we had hurricane Zeta, blow through the South and like gusty winds, a quick storm. The storm itself blew through really fast. Um, and, uh, then we just had wind, 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 wind. And so it was, power was out for a couple hours, um, yesterday morning. Then it came back on and I looked outside. I was like, uh, you know, a couple limbs down, lots of leaves. Like it basically blew all the leaves off the trees. So we were really glad that we had spent the couple of days before, um, 
up in the mountains looking at all the beautiful colors because I bet that half those leaves are gone now too. But um, nothing really much to see and felt good about it. Felt like, okay, we really dodged a bullet. This morning I woke up and looked out the back door and one of our gigantic pecan trees had fallen in the night. We had some wind last night, but I didn't think much about it because uh, it didn't seem like it was as bad as it was the night before. But man, I hate it when when trees fall. Like there, are, there are a few things that I mean. I I take that back. There are a lot of things that make me cry. Movies about dogs, um, <laughs> things like that. Like there's plenty of things that make me cry. But one of the things that makes me cry is when trees get cut down or when they fall down, and it's it's dumb. I realize it's like trees falling down as a part of life. It's part of the life cycle. Trees not meant to last forever. You know, these are not, this is not the petrified forest that I'm living in, but it was so disheartening. I love these trees. We've had, we had our family pictures taken under them the year that we moved here. And I just kind of like thought they'd always be here, you know? So that's been depressing, but it did usher in some very cold weather, which is nice because I'm ready for fall. I'm ready for winter. I'm ready for all the things that have to do with cold weather and holidays and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. And we have a holiday tomorrow. The holiday tomorrow, Halloween kind of like kicks off the holiday season. So that is what is inspiring this podcast tonight. Uh, but before I get into that, I have a shout out to make, which... If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I have some very loyal, man, this train is long and loud. I have some very loyal and faithful producers of the podcast who throw money at me every so often to help me keep uh, the lights on, so to speak. And I received another donation that I'd like to give a quick shout out for. Christy and Dad, thank you again for listening. I, I really... It's funny because I didn't really think about my family listening when I started the podcast. Um, I'm not sure who I thought would be listening, but I wasn't sure that my family would care to at all since they've been having to listen to me talk my whole life. But um, Dad and Christy are faithful listeners, and they sent me a $20 donation in the last week. And so I just really appreciate that. And anybody that wants to can send me a $20 donation or less or more, you feel free. You make up the number and there's no required donations here. Um, but that's part of the whole, the idea is just that, you know, if you get any value out of listening to it, you can go to my website, oddlyadulting.com. You can click on the donate now button and it just takes you straight to PayPal and you can send me, you know, whatever amount you felt like it was worth. So thank you for thinking that I'm worth $20. I really do appreciate that. Every dollar that is given to me, just makes me feel, I don't know, special, I guess. And I feel humbled. So thank you again. And if you donate to me, I will shout you out. So if you don't want to be shouted out, be sure and tell me (laughs) in the comments section. So, um, spooky season is upon us. Um, also known as uh, fur boot season, maybe, or puffer vest season (laughs) or pumpkin spice season. For the record, I, do not support pumpkin spice. That is gross. Okay. There are very few things that need to be flavored pumpkin and coffee is not one of them. So 
get away from me with your pumpkin spice latte. But if you like it, that's fine. Happy, I'm happy for you. Um, and I'm going to let you finish, but, um, it's not for me. Uh, you know what I actually did like though? Rabbit trail. And I was so mad they didn't bring it back last year. Um, did any of y'all try the juniper latte at Starbucks last year, two years ago? wasn't last year because I didn't bring it back last year. I was so mad. Two years ago, they had a special edition drink called the Juniper Latte, and it was so good. So, so good. Like, it tasted to me like what I imagine it would taste like to stand in an, a forest of evergreen trees that are in, like, full bloom, like, full smell, like a Christmas tree farm, and drink a latte. It tasted like the smell. I don't know how to describe it. It didn't taste like, um, I heard some people saying like, ew, it tastes like pine salt, gross. I don't know. I've never drank pine salt. So for all of you pine salt drinkers out out there that said that, I don't know. It was so good. Oh, and I was so sad. It just tasted like the holidays. I don't know. I was really sad that they didn't bring it back last year. And actually, this reminds me, I meant to go looking for the juniper syrup and see if you could buy it somewhere. Because I know you can buy all these other syrups and make yourself a latte at home for like 50 cents. But I don't know if I'll really do that. Part of the charm at Starbucks is like paying too much, right? Anyway, back to it's spooky season. Um, I wouldn't say that I've had a lot of spooky things happen or spooky like occurrences or I don't know. I don't really, I don't know if I believe in ghosts. It's hard to say. I've never met one. Probably if I met one, I would believe in them. I believe for sure that there is a spirit world, supernatural. Can y'all hear my husband coughing in the background? He's about to join the supernatural world. Um, Cough drops are in the cabinet in the kitchen. As I was saying, um, I believe in the spirit world for sure. Um, because I believe in angels. So they're spirits. They're not physical creatures. So I know I believe in the spirit world, but I don't know what my stance is on ghosts or hauntings or things like that. Um, never personally met a ghost. So I can't say from personal experience, but, um, I have always sort of had this weird, I don't know if it's, I guess a sixth sense is how people might describe it, but I have definitely been in situations or places where I felt something otherworldly, I guess. Um, you know, like here's a great, here's an example. Um, growing up, there was a time period where my parents were looking to buy another house And so my mom was going house hunting and my dad, um, is an airline pilot. So he was gone a lot of times. So she would go out and go with the realtor and we would, us kids would have to come with her because, you know, we weren't like old enough to stay home alone. So I can remember going and seeing a lot of houses during this time period. But specifically, I remember this one house that we walked into and I think it was even, it was a new construction. There was this neighborhood, uh, being built in our town. And so we were looking at a lot, a lot of the houses in the neighborhood whenever one would get ready or, um, uh, what do they call those? Uh, show home? No. What do they call that? 
Anyway, mo- mo- uh, not mobile home. <laughs> model home. Model home. They'd get a model home ready. We'd go look at it. Okay. So I distinctly remember walking into this house and just being like, ooh, something does not feel right in here. It just was an odd, eerie sort of thing. It was like, not like typical, not like stereotypical, you know, it wasn't like cold or drafty or, um, you know, we didn't take pictures and see orbs in them later or something. It just didn't, something just didn't feel right. It was just, it just had an unsettling feeling to it. And so we didn't look, we didn't really look too much. We kind of were like, "Mm, okay, we've seen enough and we left. Well, later, um, mom told me that she found out that that house had actually been built on the grave site of an old cemetery. I think she said a Confederate cemetery. I'm not sure if that was, that could be, um, an embellishment, but it, she said that they, when they went to build, you know, they, they bought this plot of land, they started building out the neighborhood. And then when they went to put the foundation in, um, they unearthed like a cemetery, you know, back in the woods or something. And so they, um, relocated the remains that they found, whatever they found, she didn't say, um, relocated them to somewhere else, but that it had been built on the plot of an old cemetery. So I don't know, you know, maybe the spirits were unsettled and they kept trying to come back to where they had been laid to rest. I'm not sure, but it felt weird. And I've had other feelings like that in other places, but, um, so I, I don't know what that means. I don't consider myself any type of like, uh, a communicator with the spirit world or I don't know, whatever. That's crazy talk. But, um, I have had an experience at least once where I was like, okay, something is up here. So I'm curious, I guess. So that's just background, you know, got to set the scene. Got to, you got to give background before you tell a story, right? Okay. So I'm telling a story. I'm gonna tell a story. And, um, spoiler alert. It has a happy ending. If you're anxious, if you're like the anxious type and you aren't sure you want to hear the story, the story does have a happy ending. So you do not have to be nervous about the story. You can just be along for the ride and hopefully enjoy the story and maybe laugh at me during it because there is humor. (laughs) Okay. So it is, the year is 2006 maybe or seven. No, 2007. No, that's not right. I had a baby in 2007. It wasn't that. 2008. The year's 2008. It's January of 2008. And, um, my husband and I had a baby. She was two months old, our first baby. And we were living in a little duplex, a rental because we had just come back from living overseas. We'd lived overseas for two years. And, um, then I found out I was expecting, then my dad had his accident. Anyway, we returned Went back to our old jobs, and so we um, got settled in a rental that was in the town where my husband's job was, and then I commuted to mine. So um, life was good. Everything was fine. And one day we went for a drive, and I guess we wanted, I think we were looking for Cracker Barrel. So if this is 2008, um, that means that not everyone has GPS, Yet, right? I think that in 2008, 
you would have to have a Garmin or something like that. You didn't have it. I know you didn't have it on your phone yet. So um, we didn't know exactly where we would find a Cracker Barrel, but we decided to go find one. So we decided, okay, well, we'll just go north. Maybe we'll end up, you know, at Cracker Barrel in another state. Who knows? We'll just go for a drive. Um, luckily our child was a good, she liked being in the car as long as you weren't stuck at a stop sign or a stoplight. She was good. So we went for a drive and, um, we discovered that there was a Cracker Barrel, like really pretty near to our house. And it was in this town that was also pretty near to our house that somehow in the four years of me being in college, I had never discovered. So we ended up driving around and without meaning to at all, um, started looking at houses (laughs) And this was a completely absurd thing for us to be doing because we had just had a baby. We had only been um, back in the U.S. and back in our jobs for like not even six months. And we pretty much had um, no money. (laughs) So there was no funds for purchasing a home. Um, We didn't even know how to purchase a home. We had no idea how the process even worked. But we're driving around and we're thinking, wow, this town is so cute and look at how close it is to the interstate and it'd be so easy for us to get on the road and go visit our families or they could come visit us and ooh, they have a Cracker Barrel and then it was like, ooh, they have a Mexican restaurant. You got to have a good Mexican restaurant, you know, and anyway, we start driving through all these neighborhoods and we pull up on a house that has a sign in the yard and you can tell from the curb that the house is vacant. So we just like shamelessly get out and start looking in the windows. And from the outside looking in, we're like, well, this, I like it. Look at this. And we go around back and we look in the backyard and this is the best part. There is backyard full of trees, but the trees are off. The leaves are off the trees and you can see in the way long distance like a mountain view, you know, an Appalachian mountain, not like a Rocky mountain. That'd be impressive. But this is like, you know, the, the foothills of the Appalachians are like right there in your backyard. And we were just both like, oh my goodness, could we ever own a house like this? (laughs) And it was, I mean, it's really, it was nothing spectacular. It was just a standard, solid looking starter home, you know, Um, But so we just called the name on the sign and the lady was like, yeah, do you want to see it? And we said, yeah, you know, we're actually here now. And she said, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, I'll be right over. So she shows up and now that I'm a realtor, this is really funny for me to remember because she basically showed up looking like she was in her pajamas. She had like leggings and a t-shirt on and a sweatshirt Um, and maybe even flip-flops because sometimes that's how we roll in the South during the winter. But, um, she basically was just like, yeah, cool. You know, I'll, I'll open the door for you. And she just stood on the porch the whole time, you know, playing on her phone. And then when we were done, she was like, all right, well, you know, call me if you want to make an offer. And we, we didn't even know what that meant. We didn't even know what does making an offer entail. And obviously we can't buy a house. Why'd we even do this? So we look at this house and we both drive home and we're just like silent half the drive home. And then one of us is like, I really like that house. And I'm like, I really like that house too. I wonder how you buy a house. I don't know. How can we buy a house? We don't have any money. Don't you have to have money? I don't know. Do you? I don't know. (laughs) So to make a very long story short, because this is the boring part of the process, we got referred to a real estate agent in town 
and um, met with her and she would walked us through, this is how it would work. You know, this is how you would buy a house. She told us all about this great program that HUD was doing, where if you were a first time home buyer, HUD would pay your down payment. And we were like, what? She was like, yes. And we were like, no way. And she was like, totally. And so we were like, well, okay. I mean, let's buy a house. We want to buy that one. She's like, well, how many of you looked at? We were like, one, that one. That's the one we want. She said, okay, well, I tell you what, um, we're getting kind of ahead of ourselves. Like go talk to this bank, make sure that you can get qualified. Then I'll take you to look at some houses. We'll look at that house too, but you know, let's like slow this train down a little bit and make sure that we've covered all our bases. So we did whatever we had to do with the bank. And the next weekend we go out to look at houses. First one we go to is the house we've already seen. And we're like, we love this, we love this, this, we love this. And the whole time she's kind of like, really? Do you really? Well, I mean, what about this? What about this? And the inside of the house was a little beat up. Like, it looked like they had kids in the bedrooms that had stuck, like, thumbtacks, you know, like a billion thumbtacks in the wall. She's like, what about the walls? You know, we're like, "Ah, paint, you know, spackle, no big deal. She's like, well, you know, I don't, let's go look at some other houses. So she showed us, I think, maybe three or four houses total, four or five at the most. And, you know, they were all like equal in amenities, I guess you should say, um, price, all that. They're all in the same town. None none was really spectacular. And we really just had our hearts set on this house. So she was like, all right, well, you guys talk it over and you give me a call and then we'll talk about next steps. So we didn't really have to talk it over, but we like humored her, you know? And so we're driving back to our house. We're talking. We talk for about two minutes. We're like, well, I just want that one. Yeah, me too. Okay. So we call her. She says, so your hearts are set on that one, huh? That I can't like, I can't get you interested in any of those other ones. It's got to be that one. And we're like, yeah, it has to be that one. Like why, why not that one? She said, well, I was really hoping, you know, it wouldn't come to this, but, um, um, there's something I have to tell you about that house. Um, a murder happened there. And we were like, like record scratch. What? Yeah. So the only reason I know about this is just because I live here, you know, I live here in town and it was all over the news, obviously when it happened, cause this is a small town and you know, we haven't had a homicide in however many years, but you know, it was really unfortunate. I don't really want to get into the details of it, but, um, but it was a domestic dispute and you know, the husband like smothered his wife with a pillow in the master bedroom. And we were like, Ooh, Okay. Wow. Um, hmm. How about that? So I'm horrified. I'm like immediately (gasps) repelled. Like there's no way there's no way. Like I cannot live in murder house. I cannot live in murder house. No, I don't want to live in murder house. Everyone knows it's murder house. I don't want to live in murder house. My husband is having the total opposite reaction. He's like, sweet. Sounds like we can get a good deal on it. He literally went straight to, I mean, it's just a house. It's not like it's the house's fault. The house didn't do it. You know, the husband did it. I'm going, I'm looking at him like, are you serious? 
So she says, anyway, you know, I know this is kind of disturbing news. So you guys take some time to talk this over. And then if you're really, if you really want to move forward, let me know and we'll start the paperwork. So now we really are silent for the rest of the drive home. And I just keep going back and forth. I keep thinking in my mind, like, I cannot live in murder house. I mean, it's a small town. Everybody knows what happened. Everybody in the neighborhood knows what happened. I bet everybody, when they drive past this house, they just think murder house, murder house, murder house. Someday when our sweet little baby goes to kindergarten, she's going to write her address down and her teacher's going to be like, oh, you live at murder house. And I'm just, I'm imagining like, I am, I am full throttle blazing ahead to this is an impasse. This is an impasse. Like we can't get past it. I still loved the house. Like I wanted the house bad, but I was, it was the stigma. I was like, there's no way I can't live there. Everyone will know, you know, it'll be. And then I'm getting like super morbid. And I'm thinking like, don't killers sometimes like come back to the scene of the crime. What if he like, what if he's like not in prison? And what if he wants to come back? And you know, like, what if I'm there alone and he comes back and I don't know what's hit. And I'm just, I'm spiraling, obviously. <laughs> Overactive imagination, full effect. Meanwhile, Chris is still just like, yeah, I mean, someone's got to live there. Might as well be us. It'd been sitting empty for about eight months already. You know, obviously nobody else is beating down the door to get to it. So, you know, we should, we should get it, man. If I had known that he, you know, beating down the door, like when he used that phrase, that probably would have been to make a really bad Halloween joke, the nail in the coffin on this deal. But I was like, okay, I mean, I'm going to think about it. We should definitely, she said, we should think about it. I'm definitely going to think about it. And so we went home. He was completely at peace with it. I was not. Well, one of the things that we had discovered about the house when we went the first, with the very first realtor, the like leggings realtor was that um, she pointed out to us that the garage door didn't lock shut. Um, I don't know why she told us that. Maybe she was just pointing it out as a defect. Like, yeah, everything about this house is great, except the garage door doesn't lock. So we were aware of the fact that you could unlock the garage door and roll the door up and just walk inside. There were no, none of the, like you could walk through the basement and then up into the house and no problem. So we actually had done that at least once in between um, going and seeing it again with the person who ended up being our actual realtor for the transaction. So, you know, I'm chewing on this news about it being murder house and I'm trying to figure out how I feel about it. And I'm thinking back to that time that when I was a kid and I went house hunting with my mom and I had that very distinct feeling of like weirdness in a house. And so I was just racking my brain. Like, did I feel it? Did I feel any weirdness? Like, was it weird? you know, surely I would have felt it. If it was weird, I would have felt it. And I just was like, I was really waffling on it. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. So I decided, I decided to do, I decided to do an experiment. Science. Yeah. I was going to do that. I was going to take the scientific method. So I don't remember what the circumstances were about why I was out and about by myself. I, in, if memory serves, I was coming home from work, but I would have normally had the baby with me because I picked her up on the way home. So, and I definitely don't think I had her with me. Um, 
because in this scenario, like how it played out, she would have just been left in the car. And I don't think that would have, I don't think I would have done that. So she must have been elsewhere or maybe it was Saturday and I was going to the grocery store. I don't know. But basically I decided I'm going back to the house and I'm going by myself and I'm testing my powers. <laughs> um, so I go to the house and I'm by myself and I do the thing, the breaking and entering, you know, through the garage door. <laughs> I go inside and I'm just like walking through the house and I'm kind of, you know, stopping and stopping in this room, kind of looking around, feeling it out. Then I go into the next room, looking around, feeling it out. And just every room I go in just feels fine. Like if anything, I mean, if I try really hard, I get kind of this like, feeling of like a little bit like sad, like a little bit of like wistfulness, like the house misses having a family in it. Okay. <laughs> I know how crazy this sounds. That comes from a book. Um, that is one of my favorites from a kid. It's called the little house. I think, I think it's called the little house. And, um, it's all about this little country house that was built by, you know, people in the olden days and how it survives all of these changes around it until eventually and, it, and the family says, you know, it'll never be sold for gold or silver. You know, we're going to keep it in the family, but eventually it, it, it ends up like the city grows up around it and it's surrounded by skyscrapers. And, and then the great, great granddaughter of the great, great granddaughter who of the man who built the house sees it one day and rescues it and moves the house back out to the country. And then the house is happy after that. So I'm drawing. <laughs> from childhood here. Like, so I'm like, well, the, the house just feels a little bit like sad. It's kind of like wistful, you know, it just, it just wants a family. Like we're a family. Maybe it wants us, but I haven't gone in the room yet. So she told me that the, the thing happened in the master bedroom. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have to sleep there every night. I mean, this is supposed to be like, this is like my dream house, you know, like we're going to have like we have, we have a kid that's going to live here with us, you know, and I'm assuming we'll like have other kids and we'll bring them home. So like, I got to make sure it's safe. So I finally go in the master bedroom and I stand there and I'm thinking to myself, well, I mean, you know, there's not like, there's no evidence of like a murder. Okay. Because it was like a clean murder. You know, she got smothered with a pillow. It wasn't like a, an ax murder. Um, so like I'm looking around and I'm thinking, okay, I mean, it seems, it seems fine. It's okay. Like I'm not getting a weird feeling. And I'm like, I just feel like I want to like kind of sit here for a minute and just sit, you know, just sit and wait, like wait and see if anything comes to me <laughs> or anyone or whatever. But I don't really want to sit on the carpet. <laughs> like I don't know why that's too weird for me. But I don't want to sit on the carpet. So be because I'm a weirdo, I decide, okay, well, I'm going to go sit in the bathtub. <laughs> so I go in the bathroom and I sit in the bathtub and I'm just waiting and I'm just thinking and I'm like, do I even, do I even, what am I even do? Like, what, what am I even doing? What is this? Like, am I having a seance? Am I, what is this? Like, I don't have a Ouija board. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't even believe in ghosts. What am I doing? <coughs> Excuse me. So I 
finally, I'm just feeling kind of, I guess, silly or sheepish or whatever. I'm like, okay, I better just put my money where my mouth is. So I'm sitting in the bathtub in Murder House, and I finally just go, okay, um, out loud, by the way, <laughs> out loud. Okay, um, so like, if you're here... Um, and you're nice, you can stay, but if you're not going to be nice, you have to go. Okay. All right. (laughs) Then I like jumped up, ran out of the bathtub, left the room, felt so dumb, so ridiculous and like beat it out of the house as fast as I could, you know, rolled the garage door back down, jumped in my car and and left before (laughs) hopefully I got caught. And the whole way home, I just was like, I mean, I didn't feel anything weird. I mean, I think it's okay. Is it okay? Am I really, are we really going to do this? Are we going to buy murder house? Are we going to live in murder house? I think we're going to live in murder house. Here comes another train. So I went home and then I told Chris what I did and he was very polite and did not laugh at my, like to me, like in my face. I think he sort of did like a, like a, you know, subdued chuckle. But he was like, okay, so you feel good about it? I'm like, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So we did the deal. We bought Murder House. And um, before we closed on it, I got the courage. No, it wasn't. No, actually, it wasn't before. It wasn't before we did because I was afraid. I was like, okay, I don't think I have enough courage to... Um, to find any more out. Like, I don't want to know anything else. I don't want to know anything else. And so, uh, so I didn't have enough courage to do this before we closed. After we closed and we moved in, which by the way, one of our neighbors came over on the day we're moving in and he's like, Hey, you know what happened here? Right. And we were like, yes, sir. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine how terrible that would have been if we hadn't known? Well, anyway, after we closed and we were moved in and everything was fine and we were feeling good, like, Never had any weirdness, no weirdness, just happiness, loving the house, happiness. Um, I finally got up the courage to ask my best friend's husband, who was a detective at the time with a police force in the neighboring town. I was like, so, um, do you like know anything about this case? And he said, yeah, um, I remember when it happened. I didn't tell you because I didn't know if you would want to know. And I was like, yeah. I don't know if I do want to know. Do I want to know? And he's like, um, I mean, it's not terrible. And I'm thinking, well, this is a cop telling me this. Like, he's seen some terrible things. So maybe it's not that bad. So I was like, I kind of like steeled myself. And I was like, okay, go ahead. Well, the story goes that the uh, husband and wife in question um, were having a domestic dispute. Um, somebody was accusing someone of cheating. I think he was accusing her of cheating. Um, and maybe she was, I don't know, but, um, basically they got into a fight and he accidentally smothered her. Um, like I think it started as, you know, the fight was getting loud and maybe he didn't want the kids to hear or something, but anyway, she accidentally got smothered. And he, um, didn't know what to do or, or did know what to do. I can't decide if he like didn't know what to do or if he had the presence of mind to know what to do. I'm not sure which is more disturbing, but ultimately what he did was he, um, stayed up all night and waited for his kids to wake up for school the next morning. 
And when they got up, he said, mommy's not feeling real good. So she's just asleep in the bedroom. So I'm going to get you off to school. Um, you know, I'm going to get you on the bus and then, you know, I'll see you later. And so the kid, he got the kids ready for school with her like body in the bedroom. And then, um, when he knew that they were like on the bus, like at school, he waited a like reasonable amount of time for them to get to school. Then he, um, he called and turned he called 911 and turned himself in and they, um, kicked the door down. He was just sitting in the house and they kicked the door down. Um, beat the door down, which is where I came up with the, when Chris was like, well, obviously people aren't beating the door down to buy the house. Ooh, that was ironic. Um, they just kicked the door in and he went, so it was not like a, you know, scene or whatever. He went, you know, he admitted guilt and went and they took him and he is serving life in the pen in another state. So after he told me the, after my friend's husband told me the whole thing. I was like, Oh, all right. Well, um, I'm probably, I think I'm glad I didn't know that beforehand. Um, but I mean, all things considered, it's not a terrible murder. <laughs> That's so terrible, right? It's like, was it murder or was it accident? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Was it murder or homicide? I'm not sure. I'm not a lawyer, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I Googled, I Googled and in my, a picture of my house with crime scene tape around it was in the first page of results <laughs> and it stayed that way. I would Google it every so often, like once or twice a year, just to see if it was still on the first page of results. So, um, eventually we lived there so long that I didn't ever think about it anymore. Like it was just a fact and nothing, like I said, nothing weird. The happy ending was of course that. We were able to buy a home. It was a wonderful home. We lived there seven years and um, we had the neatest, what I felt like was a neat thing to be able to, well, this is the way I versed it. So I think I've mentioned before that I had my second baby at home. That was planned. I had a planned home birth with midwives and um, I can remember standing there in my room because my room, our room was where we planned, I planned to give birth. I was going to, you know, cause with the bathroom, I was going to be in the tub if I wanted to or whatever. But so I planned to give birth in the house and I planned specifically to give birth in the room. So while I was in early labor, I remember I was standing there by the bed and that was kind of like the position I was preferring at the time for working through the contractions. And I thought to myself, huh, well, this room has seen like the full circle of life. Like there's been death in this room and now we're going to bring life into this room. And so I told the midwives that, and they both were like, wow, that is really pretty neat. And maybe it's morbid. Maybe it's neat. Maybe it's a mixture between the two. But like I said, we lived there for seven years and never felt anything weird. Never had any inkling that there was anything going on. Um, and eventually it became like a funny sort of, not that murder is funny, don't get me wrong, but it became kind of like a funny, like joke, you know, about murder house. Um, so that said, uh, 
when we went to sell the house. <laughs> like I said, we lived there seven years and nothing weird ever happened. So it stopped being a thing. Like we stopped thinking of it as murder house. It was just a joke. Every so often we'd throw in there for like shock factor or whatever. But um, it did not occur to us because, oh, because one of the things we asked the realtor when we bought the house, we said, oh my gosh, like, is this on some kind of registry? Like of, you know, is there like a list of houses where weird stuff has happened? She said, no, um, there's a list of meth houses, but not, <laughs> not murder houses. Oh, okay. And like, well, we have to disclose this when we sell it. She said, no, you don't have to. And well, okay. So that was like a foregone conclusion in our mind. So seven years later, we go to sell the house and, um, we don't ever mention it during the process. Like when our realtor, we have a different realtor for, to sell the house. Seven years later, we had a different realtor we were working with and she's asking us all the questions about, you know, have you done any unpermitted work? Have you done this? Have you done that? Are you late on your taxes? Are there any liens? You know, none of that. Like she didn't ask, has a murder occurred here? So it did not occur to us to tell her. <laughs> So we got the house under contract and I guess the uh, buyer's agent Googled our address. Um, Now that I'm a realtor, I think to myself, I should probably Google addresses. I've never done that yet for a buyer, but I should probably do that. Um, Apparently Googled our address and looked through enough pages of results that he found the news story (laughs) about the murder. And so then he had to disclose it to his clients because that's kind of part of the ethics thing. Like if I knew a murder, yeah, like when the realtor, the realtor had to tell us because it's part of the ethics thing. If you know a, a murder has occurred, you're, you as a realtor have to tell someone like that it did. Um, you as the homeowner are not, it's not your job to disclose that anyway. Um, so he told his, had to tell his buyer. So he also called up our realtor and informed her <laughs> So she called me and the whole, the whole process of getting the house on the market and for sale, it was so stressful because we had found our current house and it was like our dream home and we had to have it and we were just dying. We were like, you know, we had a contingency and it was so stressful. And so it seemed like every phone call she was calling was just super stressful. So she calls me and she's like, well, um, are you at home? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, well, are you sitting down? And I was like, what is wrong? Just tell me. Like they sold the house to someone else, didn't they? Like we lost the house. And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm calling about your house. I had a call from the buyer's agent today. And well, I just, there's something I think you need to know. And then then she proceeded to tell me what I already knew. And I felt terrible because I just started laughing and I was like, oh yeah, we already, we knew about that. Yeah. She was like, oh, oh, you knew about that. Yeah. Yeah. We knew. She's like, well, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, I don't know. Cause our, our other agent told us we wouldn't have to tell anybody. Like, it's not a thing. We don't worry about it anymore. She was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, it's good. Okay. Well, good. I mean, it, obviously the house doesn't seem to have a stigma since, you know, now another family wants to buy it. I said, so they're, they're cool with it. And she said, yeah, apparently they're fine with it. So, okay. So anyway, everybody was fine with it. Murder house was fine. It was fine. Everything was fine. We lived there for seven years, never had even the slightest of an inkling, no creaking floors, no drafts, no nothing, just a, just an air conditioner that was possessed, but I don't consider that a ghostly possession. I consider that because it was builder grade (laughs) cheap. (laughs) So have you had a spooky experience? Do you, um... Can you sense 
spirits? Are you a communicator with the supernatural world? Um, if I'm honest, I get kind of creeped out by stuff like that. So if it's really creepy, I mean, now's the time to tell me because tomorrow is Halloween. So <laughs> I would love to hear if you have an experience, have you met a ghost in person? Was their name Casper or whatever or such and such? Um, send me an email, oddlyadulting at gmail.com. Uh, I think you could probably comment on the post on the blog, I guess, unless I have disabled comments because of all the spam bots, but I really would be interested to know, am I the only person that listens to this podcast who lived in a murder house or are there others of you out there? If there's others of you out there, I would love to hear it. Um, and someday I will probably break the news to my children about this by letting them listen to this podcast. This is one of those funny things that I don't think I've ever told them. I don't know if they ever see, and they were little, they were all pretty little while we were still living there. So I'm, I'm wondering if, um, you know, if they ever heard, overheard conversations and put two and two together. I don't know. Maybe I'll let my oldest one listen to this and tell me what she thinks if it's too spooky. That I should actually though, my youngest, my seven-year-old, she's like a savage. So she probably wouldn't even care, but (laughs) the middle one, she's kind of sensitive. Anyway, that's my spooky story for spooky season. The full moon has risen um, so much that it's not visible outside my window anymore. So that certainly tells me that time has gone by and enough time. And so I should cut this off. But I hope everyone is well. I hope that Rona season is treating you well. Um, If you're a bread man... I hope stuffing season is treating you well. Did y'all know that stuffing season is a thing? Um, it is a thing for bread men. Um, I'm looking forward to the holidays. I got a kid turning 13 this year. What is up with that? That's terrible. I feel so old. Teenagerhood is fully upon us. That's fun. (laughs) More on that later. (laughs) Anyway, at this point, I'm just rambling. So I'm going to say, what I always say, but before I say that, I'll just say it again. Remind everybody that you can find me on Instagram, the handle at oddly adulting. Find me on all the podcast, uh, services, whatever those are called hosts. I don't know. Um, oddlyadulting.com, oddlyadulting at gmail.com. Or if you know me personally, hit me up, text, WeChat, Facebook, whatever. Um, obviously I like to talk, so I'll talk to anyone that talks first. I hope you guys are doing well, and if you made it all the way to the end of this, I love ya, and Jesus does too. Kevin McLeod, winner, winner. <laughs>